0: advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Krista Manna is an architect and the owner and principal at KR Architecture and Interiors, an architectural firm that she launched in 2017. This company includes a construction division through which she purchases and renovates properties for sale, and Krista also manages a number of rental properties in Massachusetts and New York State. Krista has more than 15 years of experience in the design industry, including residential, corporate interiors, technology, and retail. Over her career, she has helped design for clients, including Google, Bank of America, TD Bank, Pearson Education, and Drexel and Binghamton Universities. And Krista was recently awarded the 40 Under 40 designation from Cape and Plymouth Business Magazine. Congratulations on that, Krista, and welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast. Thank you. So right now in the Hazard Girls Facebook group, and I know you saw it because you commented, there is this (laughs) huge thread going on where everybody's talking about what their parents did or do for work and what they do for work and how similar or different those jobs are. And it's cracking me up because some people will say... Oh, my job is totally different from my parents. My dad's an engineer of, you know, this kind, but I'm an engineer of that kind.
1: <laughs> and it's like
0: and it's like it's all perspective, right? Like if you're in it, you're in it and you don't even think what all these other different careers how different they really are. So, what about you? What did your parents do for a living?
2: So, my mother was a lab technician at a hospital, so she was very science oriented and mm-hmm. very much instilled the importance of education on us kids. And my father, so he's actually has been disabled since I was five. But before he left the working field, he actually was a color technician for GE. And so his job, this is before computers took over. His job was to quality control the color of all of the plastics that would come out of the plant.
0: Wait, I need more clarification on this because when you say color technician for GE, I thought of TVs.
2: No. So he worked for GE and at their plastics facility. And so basically the way that it works is that pellets go into the hopper, Mm -hmm. they get mixed together and a specific color is supposed to come out, but it doesn't always work out perfectly all the time. And so my father's job was to basically quality control it and make sure that the color of the plastic coming out was exactly what it was supposed to be.
0: That's one of those jobs you just never think of as you just never realize that it exists until you hear about (laughs) something.
2: So when I was five, he actually left work because he's he was disabled before, but he decided that it was time for him to take a break from working. And he became, you know, the stay at home dad before stay at home dads were cool.
0: Mm-hmm. When you were growing up in that household and your mom was a lab technician and your dad was a technician of another sort, were you kind of like getting into all that technical stuff as well? Did you, is that what you wanted to do?
2: No, I was very much. So when I was a kid, my favorite hobbies actually were to break leaves into floor plans. And I also as a teenager would draw scale plans of my room and my furniture and uh-huh. rearrange them. So my mother knew at a very young age that I probably was going to be going into something either architecture or design related.
0: So you were raking your lawn into a floor plan?
2: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It was my favorite thing to do in the fall every year was to rake a floor plan and play house in the floor plan.
0: You would build like a house with different rooms using leaves. Yep. That's so cute. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, at what point during all this did you realize, okay, I want to be an architect. I'm going to architecture
1: school?
2: Probably sometime in high school, I started working during the summertime for my grandfather, who was a housing developer mm-hmm. and I would be on site, basically pouring sidewalks, picking up shingles, doing all wow. of the grunt work that nobody else wanted to do, and I just loved it, absolutely loved it and So that's when I decided architecture is really the direction I want to go in.
0: So when you were a teenager, your summer jobs and your after-school jobs were basically on construction stones.
2: I also worked retail some. I worked for a children's clothing store for a while. But whenever I could, I'd be on site with my grandfather helping him. That's so cool.
0: Did he inspire you as a person to pursue that? Or is it just because you just loved getting your hands in it?
2: I just loved getting my hands in it. He actually did a lot of the design work for himself. So mm-hmm. he didn't have an architect who worked for him. So part of the design process, I just fell in love with it.
0: Well, you started your career working in large architecture firms, I believe, after college. Like, I'm curious, what's your take on this? Is this a good career choice? Because I want to hear the pros and cons of this. Because from the outside looking and not being an architect myself, but knowing so many architects and talking to so many architects, It really seems like a stressful job. And a lot of architects I talk to say they feel underappreciated and sometimes underpaid at the larger
2: firms. Do you agree with that? It can be that way. I think it kind of depends on the personality of the person, Mm. because I know plenty of people who thrive in larger firms and absolutely love it and would not work for anybody else. For me, I loved the people that I was working with mm-hmm. and I loved the projects that I was working with but honestly I always had felt that there was something not quite right
0: <laughs> like nothing missing
2: yeah there was something missing for me personally in that whole process and that's kind of why I decided to go out of my own I'm glad to hear that you don't not recommend it this is what my daughter wants to do when she grows
0: up, and I definitely want to encourage her to do to follow her dreams. so nothing wrong with working in a big firm, but you decided you wanted to go out on your own. How did you do that? How long were you working when you decided to do that, and how did you make that happen?
2: So I've been working for over a decade i can't remember exactly how many years, but i'd been working for over a decade, and I sort of like I said, sort of come to this realization that something something was missing in. work for me. I didn't feel quite as connected to the work. Mm -hmm. And so I just offhand happened to tell my father, I was like, hey, someday, I think maybe at some point, I would consider opening up my own firm. Mm -hmm. Was he encouraging? Yes, he loved it. So at this point, my mother had actually just recently passed away. She got very sick very quickly. She had pancreatic cancer
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And she passed away at a very young age. Well, very young, relatively speaking. She was 52. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: my father, because of my mother's wisdom, actually got an inheritance because she passed away. Mm -hmm. So he said to me one day, I just happened. Like I said, that that comment to him was just kind of offhand. Hey, someday maybe I'll do this. Right. Yeah. And he says to me, he goes, well, what if I give you cash up front? To start your own business, and I'm like, "Are you serious? (laughs) You didn't, you didn't expect this, nope." (laughs) And he's like, "And I want you to also see if, because he knows that I love doing stuff, and I'm very much a DIY kind of person." Mm -hmm. And he's like, "I want you to look into doing flipping as well." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "I love being on site, so this just." makes total sense to me.
0: Is your dad a business partner with
2: you? No, he gave it to me free and clear. Just said, here you go.
0: Have at it. Well, what a beautiful way to honor your mom, you know, by creating something new and something that can continue to grow and last.
2: Yeah. And I tell some people that my business doesn't exist or wouldn't have existed if my mother hadn't passed away. So while it is a very sad situation to have had that happen. Something fantastic has come out of it. Did your mom um, know anything
0: about this idea that you had beforehand? Like, did she know that you someday wanted to have your own architecture business?
2: I told her that maybe someday I would, you know, consider opening a business. But that was like, it was always, oh, yeah, someday, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. someday when I'm older.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now you're 40 under 40 for Cape and Plymouth Business Magazine. Was that a surprise, by the way?
2: Yes. I have a PR firm that I actually hired to help with writing stuff for me. They were like, hey, we think you should submit for this award. And I was like, oh, okay. Not really thinking about it. I was like, okay, we'll submit for it. I probably won't get it. and I'll move on with my life. I got the news that I'd actually won it. And I was so very cool. excited. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations on that. That's well deserved, and I'm I'm really happy to hear about that. And I want to hear more about
2: the business, though. So,
0: tell us about KR Architecture. What does it do? What do you guys stand for?
2: I try to improve people's way of living, and I try to assist them in trying to love their space, whether it's residential or commercial. We do both categories, and mm-hmm. we do kind of smaller commercial whether it's corporate interiors or retail. I have a couple of clients now that it's their offices, like some of them. So for example, one of them actually moved their office because their office was too far away from all of their clients. So through that project, we're actually assisting him to be able to serve his clients better. One of the categories that I really love to instill in a lot of our projects is that I really love incorporating ADA, handicap and disabilities and age in place strategies with most of my clients, whether it's residential or commercial.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: what I do is I try to prevent things that happened in my situation where my mother got very sick very quickly and they lived in a very old home. It was the original house for the entire neighborhood. Wow. And so... The house was not designed for people with disabilities at all originally. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: when she became very sick, it was very difficult for her to be able to get up and down the stairs. We're talking, it's only three steps. And she had a very hard time being able to go down those stairs when she was at her sickest. And helping people to be able to kind of plan for those kind of things and Put little things into the project that make a huge impact later that they don't have to deal with when they don't have time to deal with it. I like to tell people that, you know, you don't buy insurance once you need insurance. Mm-hmm. You buy insurance before you need insurance. And so I sort of take that tact with implementing small things like the handles on all of the doors are levers instead of knobs because it's easier as people age to be able to grab a lever than it is a knob. Mm -hmm. Making sure that the stove has all of the buttons on the front
1: of Mm -hmm. the stove.
2: Mm -hmm. So that you're not reaching over the stove to be able to turn it on and off. There's a bunch of all sorts of other things that goes into it, but it's just trying to make every space that I design or work on accessible to everyone.
0: That's so interesting. So you're talking about new construction. You said you do historical renovations. So what do you do, you know, a a four-story building with lots of stairs? How do you help that become more ADA friendly?
2: So a lot of the times what we do is on the first floor, what we'll do is we'll make sure that it least a room, if there isn't a bedroom already on the first floor, we try and make sure that there's a room that can easily be converted into a bedroom
1: Mm -hmm. on the
2: first floor. And then the hallways, we try and make sure that the hallways are wide enough to accommodate gurneys. Wait, what is a gurney for? So if there's ever a medical emergency, when the EMT comes and picks you up, if you're not mobile yourself, they will pick you up and put you on a gurney and- haul you out, essentially.
0: <laughs> so it basically helps you get medical help faster.
2: Correct. Then if the front steps are steps, <laughs> we try and make sure that there's a ramp so that you can easily get down and out. The front door handle, once again, needs to be a lever handle, easily turnable. At historic homes, we also deal a lot with the color variation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, as they get older, their eyes start to degrade, even starting at age 40. So if you think you're too young for this to start happening, it's not true. Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, So your eyes start to slowly degrade and you start to be able to not tell color differences sometimes Mm -hmm. as easily. What I try and incorporate is having that Color contrast, not necessarily a different color, but a different contrast. So, a dark wall with light trim or a light wall with dark trim. So that way you can see the contrast between the two Mm -hmm. and not have issues with running into the walls Mm -hmm. or bumping into the door frame, which can be a cause for people to fall and hurt yourself, especially as you get older.
0: All of this is inspired in part by, I think you said your mom getting sick, but you also mentioned that your dad was disabled at a young
2: age when you were only five, right? Yep. He actually was technically disabled before I was born, but Mm -hmm. he always had the ability to kind of walk around some, but it got worse as he got older. Mm -hmm. And when he was five, he decided not to work anymore and be the stay-at-home dad. And so he can only sit for a couple of hours, and then he has to stand for a couple of hours, and then he has to go lay down for a couple of hours. He's always kind of having to change positions. Mm -hmm. He has a tumor on his spine. Mm -hmm. He's had it since he was born. So it's something that he's sort of dealt with and has to manage on a regular basis.
0: So we talked about perspective. This is your perspective. This is what you grew up with. So these are issues that are really important to you. And they're actually important, whether people know it or not to everyone, because you're going to get there at some point. Like do people sometimes like a lot of people that are building houses, they might be, you know, in an early part of their life where they're still young and they haven't experienced these things. Do they look at you like, what are you
2: talking about? Or do they get it? Sometimes they'll look at me like, I'm crazy. But <laughs> 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 most people, when I explain it to them, they're like, oh, well, but we're not worried about that right now. And I'm like, yes, but that's when I usually pull out the insurance line mm-hmm. where you need to worry about it now so you don't have to fix it later.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. And for resale value, I assume too. Yep. Let's switch gears because I want to hear a little bit about, you also do corporate interiors and retail, you've mentioned. And I love retail because I grew up in it. It was my dad's job and I spent my whole childhood in, in the stores the company he worked for. So can you tell us how retail stores are changing and a little bit about what you think, you know, is the future of retail
2: space? Retail has significantly changed over the past couple of years, mostly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has been staying home and so I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like 80% of people are now shopping online as opposed to going into a physical store. Mm -hmm. That slowly has been changing over the last couple of months. More and more people are starting to come out and do shopping in person. But a lot of customers for this, for example, for this holiday season, a lot of customers are coming out very early and shopping Mm -hmm. a lot earlier than they normally would. Mm -hmm. A lot of retailers are running into supply issues. Yes. With getting enough of their supplies in so retail is is changing in that it's not just how your store looks it's also how your store looks how your website looks how many touch points do you have with your customer and being consistent across every single one of those platforms so i have to go to your website and get a certain feel from your website and then be able to walk in your store And be Mm -hmm. able to get the same feel from the physical space.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, what about corporate interiors? How is that changing with COVID? Is there any difference?
2: There's been a huge difference because a lot of people are now working from home. And a lot of companies that weren't previously open to working from home are now letting their employees work from home more often. And a lot of them are doing a hybrid model where, you know, you you come in a couple days a week. And employers have to think about how their space is utilized because the space is not no longer just a place to go to because you're going to work and that's where you go. It's now becoming kind of this destination and employers need to provide things like, for example, quiet phone booth rooms and collaboration spaces and Because people don't want to go in the office anymore just to go in the office when they can stay at home to do the same thing. They want to go to the office to have that collaboration with their peers in their office. And so employers moving forward will have to figure out, you know, well, do I need to reduce the square footage that I am currently leasing? Mm -hmm. And if I'm reducing the square footage, how is that going to look? Do I need to implement some technologies for being able to kind of basically check out people's desks for the day. So, you know, do I need to have them sign in? I'm going to use this desk today. Or does the employer need to be able to have more collaborative spaces and more open spaces for people to work on projects together and, or have like team rooms, for example, yeah. where, where you have a larger table where everybody kind of sits around and, kind of a war room, so to speak, (laughs) for that particular project? Do you need more quiet spaces? Moving forward, a lot of employers are going to need to kind of reevaluate how they operate inside the office because the new normal is not the same as it was. (laughs) Are cubicles done? No, I don't think cubicles are done. I think a lot of people, a lot of employers might consider actually going back to having partitions not necessarily full offices, but at least higher partitions. A lot of people are more focused on air quality now and how the air in the space is being filtered hmm. to kind of eliminate the possibility or reduce the likelihood of spreading other diseases like COVID.
0: Our company is just completely renovating their spaces now or is it are these just mainly like new buildings that are being built
2: some people are renovating some people are new but there's not a whole lot of new office buildings being built around me anyway well thank you for sharing that
0: it's so interesting to me and you know i know you do a lot of stuff on your own as far as diy like you love to be creative and make things. I mean, I looked at your, your list of hobbies and it was like, I was kind of blown away. I was like, what were the ones that you told me about? They were like knitting, crochet, crafting, gardening, soap making. Like there were so many, so many different things on your list. So is, is this all tied into your love of DIY and like buying new properties to renovate and flip and sell?
2: Yeah, I very much am a doer. I have a hard time not having a project that I'm working on, <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a flip that I'm doing, or I'm—I love my garden. I spend as much time as I can out my garden, <laughs> and I also uh, during the wintertime, make artisanal soap. I started that hobby during COVID. That was my COVID hobby.
0: Was um, <laughs> it made out of?
2: I'm just curious. Oils and lye and water. Mm. So. The reason why I actually have sort of become addicted to it a bit is that it's kind of a cross between a science experiment, baking, and art. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's why they call it STEAM now, right? Like STEM with art, STEAM. Yeah. How much does that play into your house flipping, the house flipping portion of your business?
2: Yeah. So I actually do quite a lot of the physical labor when doing my flips. That may change going forward, but we'll see. I'm the one, sometimes I'm framing, sometimes I'm putting in a new window, sometimes I'm drywalling. Everything that I can do, I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that just because that you enjoy it? I love it. And it also benefits in that it makes the flip cheaper yeah. because I'm not paying for another contractor to do those things. And everything with with a flip is trying to kind of maximize your profit on the project and do it as fast as possible.
0: Seems like you have a lot going on. (laughs) I mean between like doing having clients and then doing these flips and all your hobbies. What's the future of KR architecture? What what's next on your
2: radar? I really would love to be able to kind of refocus a lot of my efforts in getting more corporate interiors and retail work, just because that's kind of where I've spent most of my career up until now doing that kind of work. And I love it. It's corporate interiors is very different than a lot of other types of architecture in that it's, it's very detail oriented
1: Mm -hmm. a lot of the
2: time because you're detailing every single cabinet and every single corner and like every little dimension in every single room. And you're putting in the finishes on all the walls. I actually have, so I have a couple of, contract workers who work for me. Mm -hmm. I kind of pull them in from time to time whenever I need to scale up. And we have big projects going on, which we've actually done over the last year. We've been quite busy. And one of my contractor workers is an interior designer. I worked for a very long time in interior design firms. So we incorporate all of the, you know, kind of high end corporate interior stuff to the smaller client, which Mm -hmm. I think is my clients end up getting a high-end corporate interior feel for a single practitioner price.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that! That's awesome. Where can our listeners get in touch with you? Where can they, if, if they want to hire you to do, say, their home, but <laughs> they want to do it in a, in a style that has like a extreme attention to detail in the way that like a you would normally do for a corporate client? Can they hire you for that?
2: Yep. My website's krarch.com, and I am also on Instagram, and my email is krarchint at gmail.com.
0: Krista Manna, owner and principal at KR Architecture and Interiors. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hazard Girls podcast. It's been an awesome conversation. It's
2: been a great conversation with you.
0: You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Solaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.